Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. This is Victor Oberson. My name is Mark Rennick. Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. I hope things are well with you. We are full-blown into summer. First of all, welcome. The first part of the show is what I attempt to do is to explain to you what Victory Over Sin is and who funds us. We are actually funded by Systemic Change of Idaho. And Systemic Change of Idaho is an advocacy organization through the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul here in Southern Idaho. And what we do is to attempt to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be on parole and to come out of incarceration. We do that in a couple different fashions. One of them is to sponsor this show. And if you go back to the archives of KBXL, you'll see probably almost two years worth of shows now where you can kind of highlight all sorts of people in the Treasure Valley and across the nation for that matter. Uh, people who are working with people who are returning citizens and doing successful and good things for them. There's actually some people who have been incarcerated there, some people who are out on parole now, and we've got all sorts of people there to go back and look as a resource. In addition to that, Systemic Change of Idaho does have a PowerPoint that we go out and we show to uh, service groups, to churches, to businesses, in terms of that addresses the issues of what it's like to be on parole in Idaho. That's a real powerful presentation. It highlights some of the difficulties we have in terms of housing, in terms of the difficulty kind of making that transition. We argue that a lot of those, a lot of the people in Idaho do not understand those concepts, and that's an eye-opener for them as they go forward. The cool thing about this is that it's delivered by people who are returning citizens. So you'll see that person kind of stand a little straighter and stand a little taller as they kind of display and describe how many people are incarcerated in Idaho, how much it costs to incarcerate them, and more importantly, what an impact it takes on the lives and the families of these people who have been incarcerated. It's a very powerful presentation. Towards the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how to reach out and touch me and get in touch with me if you're interested in, number one, having it come to your business or to your church, or if you're driving around and you've been a returning citizen, and we'd like to talk to you if this is something that you would like to do. So those are our missions and those are our goals. We've been going for about almost a year and a half with this money. We're in negotiations right now to expand this program. Many of you know that uh, we have a drop-in place at uh, 963 South Orchard that is open from 8.30 to noon, Monday through Friday, and we greet people coming out of incarceration their first day. Stop by there and we'll give you all sorts of information. In 2018, we're expanding into the Canyon County area and we're linked up with Pure, the Canyon County Wellness to do the same thing there. So we're excited about the future in 2018 and uh, what's happening for us. Other people might know that we're also linked up very strongly with a group on a national level called Just Leadership USA. If uh, Just Leadership USA is a new entity to you, you should go on and Google it. Just Leadership USA is attempting to become what AARP is to the senior citizen just Leadership USA is would like to be for the person who's been incarcerated. They try to make us better leaders. They advocate for us and then go forward. I will tell you, you're out there in the desert. Talk to your case manager. Have them get in touch with me. I'll send you an application for that program, and you can get those newsletters free if you're incarcerated. So it's important that you do that. 
I just got back from New York where I noticed that I've been handing out a lot of these applications. You guys aren't sending them in. They're free. So I need more people from Idaho to be in that pool. So if that's important for you, take a look at it. You know that we are in the midst of uh, potentially a prison expansion here, and I need all those voices and concerns so that we can address those issues. Many of us would think, as you go forward and understand all the facts, that we don't necessarily need to increase and or build more prisons. We need to take a look at the system that we've got here. Uh, let me also close by saying that all of this came about because of what was a re-entry conference through St. Vincent de Paul. And in that conference, as people have been released from prison, they call St. Vincent de Paul, they identify that they are a person just out of incarceration, and then two Vicentians, that's what we call people who are a member of this conference, come out and meet with you. And when we do meet with you, we offer you support for rent, and we offer you support with a bus pass and some clothing vouchers. All those things are available to you, and this has been going for a little over five years now. So that success brought forth systemic change of Idaho, and that's what we're working on, and that's what we're going to do in the future. I'm excited to have a lady from California in our office today and sitting across the desk from me, and we're going to talk to her about how we expand into 2018 in just a minute. We'll be right back. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call returning citizens resources and coffee shop we offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith their recovery and to begin their new life as our neighbor it's designed for the offenders first stop from the institution if you'd like to help us help them please contact mark rennick at 629-8861 that's area code 208-629-8861 and if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition we pay for that call okay we're back listen thank you so much today i have uh judy Dietline with me and she is the fit i am the sacramento diocesan council president of saint vincent de paul in sacramento california Sacramento, California. Welcome, yes. welcome. I was worried Thank about you. that word from the start. <laughs> I've had trouble with it myself, so don't worry about it. It's a, just we just don't use that word so much here in Idaho. No. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what and where you and where you were born. I won't tell you the year because that hey, you know many people <laughs> go back a, that far. But I, I was born in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I grew up. I went to college there. I um, studied art. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know really what I wanted to do with it. And my mother said, be a teacher. So um, after I graduated, I went to graduate school and got a master's in education. And I taught for a couple of years in New York City. I uh, met my husband, who mm-hmm. is from New Jersey. And he said, I'm moving to California. I'm moving to San Francisco. And so the day after we got married, we moved to San Francisco. And there were no teaching jobs there. So I have had... Many, many different jobs. <laughs> I, I heard you tell that story. Tell the story, because uh, we just met. Right. Fall in true honesty. And uh, I heard you tell the story about how your mother helped people throughout the neighborhood. Was that something? Well, that was, I, was, that was really... I was talking to um, 
Uh, Father Michael is a spiritual advisor of the Sacramento Diocesan Council, and he asked me to. He interviewed me, and he asked me about my my growing up as you have, but in the sense of being a Catholic. And we were very Catholic in the sense that we went to church and we all made our first communion and confirmation. And, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of tradition there where we were a big Italian family, but there wasn't a lot of interaction between um, the family and the actual church. They, they weren't involved in ministries and that type of thing. But the thing that I always noticed was that my mother helped everyone. She was the person that fed everyone on, not only on the block, but, you know, if she if someone looked like they were hungry, she would feed them. If they were sick, she was over there helping, cooking, cleaning, whatever. And it just, um, it it became apparent to me later on in life when I got involved with St. Vincent de Paul that perhaps this was part of my upbringing in knowing that helping people was the way to to live your life. Right. And so, okay, so you uproot yourself and you move to California. Yes. Okay. And that has to be just a, it's a culture shock. I have to go back to New York five times a year now. And it it is a culture shock for me to go back to New York and... Uh, that must have been. And it was also, a culture shop to come out to, oh, me to too, San Francisco. Oh, because I lived in California for like nineteen years, so I can imagine the difference in terms of coming to California. Well, the I have to say the biggest difference was, and remember, this was the nineteen seventy one. I I lived at home till I got married. Right. <laughs> so this was the first time I was on my own, and I was in a in an apartment knowing no one. I didn't have a car at the time, and I, I was isolated. And, and you were in a culture that's car-dominated. Yes. Yeah. So I, I didn't actually begin to find myself until I got a job, mm-hmm. and I was able to go and be with people and, and work, and, and that made all of the difference. And we lived in San Francisco for eight years, and then— um, uh, my daughter was five. We wanted a a house, and even in 1979, it was unaffordable. Absolutely. So we ended up in a little town called Benicia, which is a the coolest little town. If people don't know that, that it really is. It is. It's an art co- artist colony. It was a former uh, capital of California, mm-hmm. and it was a military town. Mm-hmm. U.S. Grant was there yep. in prison. Yep. You know, there was a, there's a lot of history there. So I, um, I got involved right away. When we moved to Benicia, my daughter, as I say, was five. She went to school. I became the volunteer of Benicia. I was in school. I was in the church. I was in swimming. I was in brownies. You name it, I was in it. And at some point in my life, I said, oh, maybe I should get a job, <laughs> get paid. So when she was old enough, I did, I did go to work. And um, it was... Uh, Later on, that I the story about my husband and I always after uh, after mass on fifth Sundays when Saint Vincent de Paul was out in the front collecting for the work that they do, we would always look at each other and say, "They do wonderful work. We should think about helping and working with them." But we never did. We never did until at some point we said, "Maybe maybe we should go to a meeting this week," and we. We started up, and um, it just grew from there. It was a long journey. That was 17 years ago. 
I started out working in a food pantry, and a few years later, the story goes in St. Vincent de Paul, um, if you leave the room, you're in a meeting and you leave the room, you may come, when you make come back, you may become president. <laughs> you may be appointed. So I was true. president of our, our conference in Benicia, St. Dominic's, for six years. And I, uh, so I continued uh, helping here and there until a gentleman became president of the diocesan council. His name was Paul Starkey. And he wanted me to get involved. He met me and he said, you want to be a board member? <laughs> I said, I can't. I live in Benicia and you are in Sacramento. It's too far. I can't come to meetings. I can't do that. I work in San Francisco. So he said, I'll think of something. So what he thought of was training. He said, you mentioned you had been a teacher. Would you like to do the training for the council? And I I agreed, and I did that. So do the training for the Vincentian work? I mean, for the Vincentians, I, I trained orient, uh, the, what's the called Ozanam, uh, Ozanam orientations. I've been through that. And for those who, that's a strange name, because a lot of people have asked me or put in an email, what is Ozanam? Yeah. Frederick Ozanam was the founder of St. Vincent de Paul. Yeah. And he... Um, My listeners should know that. <laughs> Well, no, that's okay. <laughs> and, and so we call it an Ozanon orientation, and it gives the history and how the society works, and and that it's an international society. We're in all almost every country in the world. One hundred fifty-two. Uh, one hundred and fifty. That's right. And we have um, almost a million members. That's true. So we. Um, so I did training, and at some point, Paul said. I'm not, I can't continue being president after these three years. Uh, would you consider it? And it took a long time. <laughs> it was um, maybe six months or more, a lot of discernment, as we call it, and just praying and deciding, is this something we should do or I should do? And um, I agreed, and I put my name in the hat, so to speak. I, I have to tell you, the Sacramento Diocesan Council covers all of the Sacramento Diocese, which is um, 103 parishes, right. church right. parishes. And we, as St. Vincent de Paul, have a conference in 53 of those. Right. So the Diocesan Council President oversees those th 53 conferences and supports their work. And they all do work in their communities directly with people, one-on-one uh, -on -one encounters, um, and with the the work they do is the work that's needed in the local community. Right. Um, so I was elected. <laughs> well, and also to be honest, I met you in uh, St. Louis what uh, three or four months ago. Yes, three or four months ago. And then, but you are here in Sacramento because you've been selected as a very select group of people, I might add, to come in and kind of head up a group of people who are working on reentry. And I understand that's brand new for you, correct? It is. Um, as so you've soon been as around with us for a couple of days now. As soon as I became president, someone approached me and uh, with a project they were working on for prison reentry. Re the right. diocese was working on it. Um, the bishop wanted this program, and so I have been working with the diocese to put together a mentoring program for reentering citizens and or returning citizens and. 
what we found out by talking to the Department of Corrections is that there are many pieces that are already in place in helping returning citizens with housing and getting jobs, but there's no mentoring program in place at this time. And would we uh, would you focus on that one? I want to focus on that, guys. If you're listening to that out there in, the, in California, there are housing programs and job programs. Uh, the, we don't necessarily always have that here in Idaho. So, But no, that's good. But, well, I, specifically, we're working only with right. the Sacramento County Jail, right. and those are the people right. we're talking and with. And that's my old hometown. So it's, that's so it's why, very specific. That's right. And I, I'm, I'm excited that you're up here helping us and getting going. So what's it like? Is it overwhelming to sort of start out like this and just start a program brand new? Well, for me, it yeah. was because I, I don't even know. There were people on the in the committee that have already been doing prison ministry going mm -hmm. in and meeting going with into groups the county jail into the county jail sorry that's right and mm -hmm. um, there was there was a judge on the uh, on the committee who has done prison uh, uh, has done mentoring specific mm -hmm. mentoring himself and was able to speak to that but just learning all the ins and outs of what it would mean to do prison uh, a County jail reentry right. um, was a, a learning curve for me. So I, I ha but it's been close to a year now, and we have the structure of a program mm -hmm. that we've put together. Um, we're almost ready to. We have the support of the bishop of uh, the Sacramento Diocese, who wants this program. He wants it. He's been wanting it for a long time, and he has asked St. Vincent de Paul to do this, and you don't say no to the bishop. <laughs> yep. No. Well, I don't. <laughs> but but uh, And also, too, it's like, and now you're with this great group of people that you've met now from across the country. For me, it's, yeah, it's yes, great. it's a, a great support because there are programs already in other states that are, are up and running, and I had the opportunity these past couple of days to meet Yes. All of you, and to get to know what you're doing and how you do it, and what's what works. I can't I can't say enough about the fact that what what we do is we've gotten together to is to just brainstorm and to come up with us, and uh, there are really no rules other than the potentially our dreams and where we want to go, and we represent communities throughout the nation really at this point in time. But we're going to come together and we're going to form some reentry entity under the umbrella of St. Vincent de Paul and go forward and. Uh, change the direction and get these guys involved with it in a real, real strong way. I, I, I was excited to see that you came up here from there after we met in St. Louis. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I think you'll be a welcome addition. So Thank you. Good luck with all that. You guys operate a little bit like we do. You've got a, you've got a store in Sacramento, right? A major store. We have a thrift store. A thrift yes. store in Sacramento. Talk about the issues you think that, have, that face uh, people who have come out of county jail, those you see, or the impoverished in Sacramento. Can you address a little bit of those types of people you see? Is it universal? The or? needs are um, very, there are many, many needs, but in many ways it's very similar. The, for us right now in Sacramento, we're seeing um, ha homelessness as as a critical problem, and it's caused... <laughs> It used to be caused by really extreme poverty. Now it's caused by the fact that there are no homes and rentals available. And if you are coming out of uh, the prison system or, or the county jail, 
just finding something and knowing that there's you have to have assistance to find that. And so we have resources um, right now that we work with people to uh, get them connected with others who can help them with housing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we the thrift store. Uh, its mission is to employ people. It's it's a way to get people into the system of work. Mm-hmm. So it we would love to be able to take that mentoring program, the people that we're working with, and if they are looking for work, mm-hmm. to put them together with our store. That would be a an ideal situation and a win-win. Um, we also, because it's a thrift store, we have low-cost goods for people who need clothing, furniture, household goods, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, we have a resource center within our store where someone is there a few days a week. If you walked in the door of St. Vincent de Paul Thrift Store and you needed help, Linda would be sitting at a desk and she'd ask you, what do you need and how can we help you? Yeah, and I think uh, that, that the people who are listening to us right here, that's pretty much the same way it is at St. Vincent de Paul here. It's, so it it's disheartening in some ways to see that it's a real broken world out there. And so a lot of the people do tend to come into our stores are that lost and broken people. Are there, uh, I know that for me to see people come in and try to get that spark of that changed heart. And as they go forward and try to figure out some of that stuff, do you see examples of that, that you could address, or is that something you've noticed? You know, I think people come with that broken look and you see, the spark when of change you, in their heart as you reach out and support them? I can tell you personally, uh, in my work in in my own conference, mm-hmm. one of I the think. things that people have to understand that the we how we work is by one-on-one encounters. Exactly. We meet with people generally in their homes, we call it a home visit, mm-hmm. because that is the best way to understand people's lives. Just knowing that they need some money for their uh, utility bill doesn't tell us that when we go to their homes, they might be sleeping on the floor and also need a bed. Absolutely. Uh, Or they don't have a kitchen table or their kids might need some food to eat. So those one-on-one encounters are important. And what I feel when I meet people like that and I try to help and find out what's wrong, I get so much out of it. I can feel them open up and invariably when we part, they always want to hug and they always say, God bless you. That's right. And I think that's for me too. It's the same. I've uh, been doing this for about five and a half years. And I think the people I see are specifically people out of incarceration. Right. And what you'll see is number one, just uh, uh, the facade drop and the honesty come forward in that you're here to do what? Really, I didn't realize you'd do that, and thank you for that. And they become honest; they become um, open to potentially the chance for us to support them. It, it is very powerful for me in terms of. I always say it keeps me sober and it keeps me humble, yeah. because it's it reminds me of what I was like when I first came out and didn't have anything, and it allows me to keep myself humble. And also you can see that it really kind of touches the hearts uh, of those people. And then we always tend to to say a prayer at the end. I've never had anybody say, no, I don't want to pray. But we say a prayer and then we part. And I generally, I do do something every week like that. I do two or three every week. And I've been doing it for a long period of time. And it, it really does provide 
um, a charge for me, if you will, to go forward and be the person that I am. So again, you're listening to my voice. This touches your heart. Uh, we'll give you the way to get in touch with us. We always need help and we always need volunteers and we always need all the things that traditionally people need. But this is a very powerful way to live out your Christianity. It's a very powerful way to reach out and touch another human being and it's inexpensive and it's powerful. So do you find that same kind of aspect? I Absolutely not. I'm not alone in this. No, you're not alone. You'll hear that from almost any Vincentian who mm -hmm. does home visits and meets with people one-on-one. -on -one. And yeah. that's why we think mentoring is going to be so important with our reentry program, because mm -hmm. we're going to be working with people one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. finding out what they need and helping them in their specific needs. And we'll be, we'll be able to help you with that because the state of Idaho actually, not through just our organization, but has a mentoring program through the Department of Corrections. And uh, they've got some legwork on that, and it's modeled after uh, what Prison Fellowship started to do a few mm -hmm. decades ago. And uh, they're still doing that same kind of aspect. So we've got some uh, help with that. So I think that we will be able to support you as we go forward with that. Well, we weren't you know, out to reinvent the wheel. We were hoping yeah, that the there stuff. were a lot of things that everybody could share with us so our program would be successful. Yeah, it, is, it is our, our, um, our goal to roll this out in the Sacramento County Jail. But then as it it's a three-year pilot program as it rolls out to move it into other areas. I think that's, you know, it's uh, the thing that's powerful as we've been together for the last couple of days to see the diversity of all of us from across the country yeah. coming together and to see the enthusiasm for going forward in the specific different programs that we have and just to, to dream about what happens down the line. I think we're on, we're doing powerful stuff, so... Um, I thank you so much for coming. Anything else you want to do in closing? You want to say something to everybody in Idaho? In oh Idaho, I know why people want to come and and don't, don't tell your visit. neighbors and friends. Not there. visit. People want yeah. to live here, and I understand it now. We, we've got too many people here. <laughs> don't tell anybody. It's a secret. Okay. So we've let you in on the secret. I didn't of Idaho. say it. Okay, I did okay. not say it. Don't come to Idaho. Judy, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I don't need you to worry for me Cause I'm alright I don't want you to tell me It's time to come home I don't care I want to thank Judy for coming. Judy, it's been really special to spend a couple days with her up here and uh, we know that she's kind of opened the door for some of the stuff that Reentry is attempting to do through St. Vincent de Paul in the California. It is only going to get bigger and we're on a we're on a mission, if you will, to kind of go forward, and, and she's going to be an integral part of that. I, I can just, I, I envision that, and I see that. If you need to reach out and touch, touch with me or get in touch with me about anything we talked about today, we certainly welcome your comments. We're easy to reach. You can go www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email at systemicchangeofidaho, all spelled out at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the telephone at area code 208-477-1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.